0: Don't call it Toxic Podcast. I've been here for years, rocking my peers, podcasting my fears, making of the tears, rain down like a podcast, listen to the base go boom explosion. Toxic Podcast, over the competition, I'm towering, wrecking shop. When I drop, this podcast, that'll make you call the cops. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Toxic Podcast. I'm Alejandro Colini. This is my alone podcast, my podcast that I host alone. I wouldn't wish it on anyone else where I consume and process toxic media. That's any form of media that regardless of quality is genuinely emotionally exhausting or distressing, taxing, draining to consume and friends, associates, enemies. We have made it to the 10th episode of Toxic Podcast. It has been a fraught journey. It ha I we I'm not going to pretend there weren't hillocks. <laughs> hillocks. Ah, but I'm, I'm, this is, this is a celebration. I got segments on a post-it note. I've got a snazzy new theme song that was written by me. I wrote that shit. Um, uh, I, and I, oh God, you're going to be so mad at me. And I'm, I'm, I was all, I, all I got to say is I'm rubbing my little hands together. Like I'm a sneaky raccoon about, about the podcast that I have planned. I'm really going to put some shoulder into this one. Um, so let's let's just break down. What what do we usually do? What do we usually do up top here at the beginning? Usually, I complain a little bit. Maybe I'm a little uh, not great about setting up the podcast. I tell you that I've had a very stressful week, which of course is true. Um, I I I, um, I talk about my process on mic again. A very bad idea. Oh, we're in a van again. I'm recording inside a parked car. Um, <laughs> but what do I have to apologize for from last week? I don't know. I don't, uh, I guess last week I was just like, maybe I was a little too crazy. And I like, yeah, I think I, I think I got too invested in sort of telling you how shitty my podcast was. Like, and it's not like, that's not fun. I, Oh, I deadpooled. I, you know what? I mean, like, I don't know if I'm gonna, I'm gonna start this as a phrase, but like, it's kind of like when I was talking about Deadpool, how I was like, It's not charming for me when the movie tells me that it's going to be lazy and bad and then it is lazy and bad. In a sense, I, with certain aspects of Toxic Podcast, am Deadpooling because I'm like, oh, ha ha, isn't it funny that my podcast is bad? But like, really what I should be doing is making it better for you. The people. Uh ah, God, I couldn't I couldn't nail the Bane voice. See, that's another that's a thing I could work on, is I just need to be able to snap in and out of Bane voice. That's not Bane voice, see? Hang on. You merely adopted the darkness, but I was born in it. There we go. I got that's a decent Bane voice. I guess we're I don't think we're ever gonna talk about Dark Knight Rises. That's not a particularly toxic Batman. Well, it is, but like on the spectrum of Batman's at this point, it's like, I don't even know if it's top three. Um, (laughs) uh, wow. But in any case, uh, yeah. So that's what I'm sorry for from, from last week is I'm sorry for Deadpooling. I, um, I, uh, I'm sorry for saying, um, and, uh, and doing that. I'm sorry that there isn't another one of me to, Ooh, that would be crazy if there was another one of me, but we just spend the whole time fucking. That's the thing is I wouldn't get like, sometimes I'm like, I don't, sometimes I'm like, this is so sad. I'm like, no one wants to work with me. Like nobody, like, I just like no one I'm so alone. If I like, I could work with me. Like if there was just another me, but like, we wouldn't get anything done because we would fuck and then we, one of us would get we, we would like kill each other and like eat each other and then ah, wow sorry sorry i was just fantasizing about how how, how lovely my life would be if i <laughs> what did i learn what have i learned okay what have i learned doing toxic podcast uh, i've learned that this is way more of a commitment than i thought it would be i've learned that like well, when the podcast started, there also wasn't nearly as much going on in my life, and now, and it's a testament to the fact that like my life is getting better. I have a lot more to do, um, but like it does, it does create a sort of a sort of panicky. Like I don't know. I need to I need to get on one of them podcast networks. Uh, I don't know if anyone has any connects for me over at the at the networks, but um, I I'd, I'd be I'd do Earwolf. I hear good things about Earwolf. Um, um, Nosehawk. I could do the nose. I could do the Nosehawk podcast network. Um, neck, neck lizard. The neck lizard network is not as good, but I'd, I'd go there as well. Um, what have I learned? (laughs) Uh I'm I'm ir- irredeemably stupid. I've learned that I'm irredeemably stupid. I've learned that my podcast is exactly as bad like ooh no no come on it's but uh, I'm it's still it's still not there. There there's something missing. Certainly not a kick ass theme song because we have one of those, but there's some element of this equation missing. I hope today with this with this anniversary spectacular that we moved a little bit more towards the, the 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 potential that i invoked in the previous episode um i'm probably going to oh oh yeah also i have been hired to teach one of those master classes like you know like how you see like david Mamet and Aaron surkin and steve martin teaching like master classes you can buy a series of 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 videos of me teaching people how to podcast uh i'm uh uh yeah <sighs> oh, god that was a stupid, why did I, why did I make that? Like it's, I, I wrote it down and then I delivered it. That's one of the first times I've ever like delivered a joke on this podcast that I wrote down. It wasn't like an observation about the media. And it's just like, I delivered it. Like I didn't even want to be delivered. You heard that. It sounded like I was like doing an ad for Harry's razors. Ugh. Harry's razors, by the way, I'm kidding. I was, uh, they haven't paid me a cent. <laughs> uh look at me treating myself like a legitimate podcast. Uh, I am probably going to, be, maybe I'll bestow an award. I do want to create some more fun segments and awards and stuff. Wow. Oh, oh my God. Okay. So did you guys, well, you already know because of the episode title. I'm doing Saw 4. Are you mad at me? Oh, I'm so excited. I've been, I, cause my original idea for this podcast was that, um, I wanted I wanted to do like the first 8 episodes were going to be Saw episodes. And then obviously that turned out to be insanely implausible and like just mean like a really mean thing to do to my audience obviously. Uh so I did the first 3 and honestly that was a little bit of overkill, but I always wondered when I would come back to the Saw movies. I figured episode 10, why not? Why not? Why not head right back into the into the warm the comfortable, just uh, not at all stress. <laughs> uh, the the warm blood of saw. You know, recently, friend of the podcast, uh, David Lukashak, uh, my roommate, who uh, may be listening, who I miss dearly. Dave, I love you. Thank you so much for sending me a picture of the saw from Saw. Oh my God, I can't believe it. I. Um, I never thought I would see it. It was the real Saw from Saw. It's in a museum of something. <laughs> I really got to research better when I when I shout things out. I shouted out Sam telling me about the Saw films, like saving everyone with the blood donations. The Saw from Saw now I haven't researched. I'm just so excited to do Saw 4. I'm just so excited to do this movie because here's where, um, at this point, the movie has been passed from uh, Lee Wannell and James Wan over to these new dudes these are the um, Project Greenlight dudes. I'm all but certain, I, again, I have not researched, I just reached into my galaxy-sized brain and pulled this out, this chunk of information that I'm now splattering across your ears with with this radical podcast. Ugh. <laughs> um, uh. But uh, yeah, these, I believe this movie was written and directed by three dudes. It might be two. I think it's three. And these are the guys who won Project Greenlight, which was like a reality show in the mid 2000s. You know, when they, when the during, during the first reality boom, when they were like, well, cause back when it was like, there was still this like veneer of like sort of serious legitimacy and like everything was like American Idol where it's like, look, we make real celebrities. Look. Look, our reality show makes you a real celebrity. We're not just exploiting people. So Project Greenlight was like this contest to um, see who could be like legitimate directors, I guess. And these dudes won it. And they were given the Saw franchise. And this is the worst Saw movie thus far. Saw 4 is the worst Saw movie thus far. It's bad. It's a bad movie. I'm sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> A lot of this episode is going to be me just like not happy about the gore. Like I'm just like this isn't not no one's no one's getting their organs shredded. Um, I gotta say the violence is kind of underwhelming in this. I can't believe I just said that. Oh my god, I can't believe I just said the violence is underwhelming. Wow, I am not in life a violent person. I like these moves. This is like. And this is also why I liked talking about saw kind of is because it really does create, it does create an interesting paradigm of like, why do people watch the Saw films? Like what is this impulse that makes us like bloodthirsty with our films? Like when you watch a horror movie, you want it to be scary. You want it to be bloody. You come out disappointed if it didn't shock, like if it didn't do something to you and like specifically these films that fall under the, under the, you know, category torture porn, which the, you know, the people who make them obviously don't love that name, but, um, you're going in to watch torture porn and like, I, you know, I don't, I, hey, it wasn't torture or porny enough. Ah, God. Wow. I am, I am just the king of sound bites right now. The violence, it wasn't, <laughs> oh my God. What a, well, well, hey, that's what I, that's what I get for putting some shoulder into this episode. That's what I get for really trying is, uh, turn, turns out I'm a monster. Um, so let's begin. Let's begin. Uh, Saw 4, uh, okay. Here's why, here's, here's what I wanted to get to. The thing that's amazing about these new Saw movies is they follow the previous sequels trend of retcon, and You know how, how in Saw 1, at the beginning, it's like, you know, you learn a bunch that you didn't realize. In the first movie, at the end of the first movie, you learn all these things, and then the guy stands up, and it turns out the dead body was Jigsaw in the room the whole time. At the end of Saw 2, you start seeing all these flashbacks, and it turns out that Amanda Young is uh, actually an accomplice of the Saw killer. And in Saw 3, you see even more flashbacks, just you know, like depicting Amanda Young's relationship with Jigsaw. And in Saw 4... Oh my God, the, the next Saw movies, the way that they start filling in this universe, it, it, it is so fun and so cool, even if this movie, this movie is a bad, this movie is a bad scene. But, but, um, okay, Saw 4, uh, enter the retcon. We begin with Jigsaw's autopsy and it rules. You can see Jigsaw's little wiener, um, but they, <laughs> but they fully, okay, they take his head off um they saw his skull open they remove his okay they first they oh my god first they peel all the skin off the head and this is all practical effects and it is disgusting this is the most visceral like gore sequence in the entire movie and it's so well done like this is by far the best sequence in the movie and it's one of the better sequences in any saw movie in my opinion because instead of these horrible like traps and like the torture and stuff, the gore and the discomfort and the like horror of uh this scene is literally what doctors do to dead bodies. It's just like this is what they do. And probably they don't rip everyone's skin off their skull and completely open their skull and take their brain I'm not I'm not, you know, I'm not an I'm not a medical examiner. Uh <laughs> but um So yeah, they they saw the jigsaw's skull open. They take his brain out. It's so disgusting. That it's so oh my god. They open him up. They really just they really go for it. And inside his stomach, they find a goddamn cassette tape that says "Play me." Gosh, Jesus Christ, jigsaw. Are you telling me? Are you really telling me that even though you're dead? The game is just beginning? Well, that's exactly what he's telling you. Because they call in Detective Mark Hoffman, who... You know how the police just drop like fly Every movie they introduce, like, two or three more cops, and then two or three die, and then two or three more cops. So Detective Mark Hoffman was introduced in the last movie. I'm just gonna tell you right now, I'm, I am feel so bad doing this, but, like, should I do this? Fuck, fuck it, yeah, fuck it. Mark Hoffman is the Saw killer. I already told this... I, I told the audience for the Saw 3 podcast this... And I just like, I feel like in the continuity of my podcast, it would be disingenuous for me to pretend that I haven't already done that. So I'm sorry if you just started listening and if I've sort of like, in a sense, spoiled the end of Saw 4, but Mark Hoffman is the Saw killer. And I'm, and, and, and that's beautiful. It's beautiful that Mark Hoffman is the Saw killer. It also like kind of makes a lot of sense why like the cops are having such a hard time with this feller because, and it also, well, let me, I'll, 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 keep going. So they call on Mark Hoffman to, to look at the tape and, um, they, uh, give a, they put it in a cassette recorder and what does Jigsaw say? Hang on. Um, uh, da, 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 super. So there's really, oh my God. Yeah. The color scheme of the autopsy is so interesting because like everything is like kind of this like muted, like almost black and white, except for the red of the blood and the green of the examiner's gloves. It's like a fucking, it's a beautiful sequence. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, uh, Mark, oh my God. I didn't write down any of the quotes. Okay, fine. I'll wing it. So Jigsaw's like, Hey, what did you think? Cause I was dead. I would stop making you play tapes. uh, uh, the games are just beginning. You will be tested. Mark Hoffman. Did you think you could get away untested there? This is all, uh, you know, And the beautiful thing about these, about what he says, oh, by the way, while you are hearing this tape, you, there's this little flashback to Jigsaw pouring wax all over the cassette and swallowing it in his like hospital bed. (laughs) But Mark Hoffman's listening to the tape. The beautiful thing about it is that it could be directed at Mark Hoffman, good guy cop, who you like sort of think he is at the beginning of the movie, or it could be directed at Mark Hoffman, my accomplice, which is so cool. So then it cuts after the tape to th- this is like your classic saw beginning, the dis like the sort of detached murder uh, that like just brings you in with like a good, gory scare or whatever. A guy wakes up with his eyes shut and he's chained to a mechanism. And on the other side of the mechanism, a guy wakes up with his mouth shut, also chained to the mechanism. And uh The guy with his eyes shut starts, like, screaming at the other guy. The guy with his mouth so... Like, the guy... Okay, so the guy with his mouth shut, I I don't agree. This is one of those, like, in the first... They they say this all the time. They're like, Jigsaw, he accounts for every possibility. His plans, his traps, they account for every possibility. And, no, they don't. They don't account for, like... He's psychic. He knows how humans would react to everything because, like... If you woke up with your eyes sewn shut, I don't think you would just wake up and go like, ah, ah, who's there? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Okay. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. What I, but what I'm saying is like, once you realize someone else was in the room, you might say like, hello, who was, ah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm giving this guy a little, maybe I'm not giving this guy enough credit. So he immediately is really freaked out by the fact that he, there's another, he can tell there's another guy in the room, but he can't hear him. And, um, the guy with his mouth sewn shut can see the guy with his eyes sh- sewn shut and and, like, is dodging him, and, like, the guy with his eyes sewn shut, the the mechanism starts drawing both of them into this machine, and, like, it's going to snap both their necks, and, um, each of their keys is on the back of the, like, harnesses that are locked around their necks that are chaining them to the mechanism. The guy with his eyes sewn shut can't see this, but the guy with his mouth sewn shut does, and they have this kind of very, um, sort of horror movie grotesque fight scene where, like, it's none of that, like, bravado of a Marvel movie. It's, like, just two not-in-shape people, not artistically, like, punching each other and hitting each other with stuff. And, like, eventually, like... I don't remember exactly how, but uh, the guy with his mouth stone shut, like, kills the guy with his eyes stone shut and, like, takes his... uh he At the very last second, he, like, unlocks his lock and then he, like, his mouth... He, he rips the mouth the, the seams open and blood pours out of his mouth. He screams. And then we cut to the narrative of the movie. But first of all, it's like, it's, it's kind of one of those, like it's, it's again, it's like underwhelming as a, as a scare scene. It's like not the gore is not impressive. It's not, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. It's just kind of like, ugh. I, and I can't, I'm like, am I going to spend this whole movie talking about whether I'm impressed by the gore? Impress me gore. (laughs) I want to see some gore fireworks. Uh, <laughs> oh God, sorry. Um, so, yeah, so we now we're uh, we're watching a sort of a bomb. One of those robots with a camera on it, a bomb robot is kind of sneaking into. They've discovered another jigsaw killing and Detective Rigg, Detective Rig, who has also been present in the last couple of movies, he much like Mark Hoffman is has inexplicably survived. So thus far, um, Detective Rigg is watching on this screen. And the robot goes into a room where he sees the hanging body of Detective Allison Carey, who had her, like, entire ribcage ripped out in the previous Saw, Saw 3. Uh, and rig kind of, he gets very emotional and he runs in, he goes, he, he, um, he run and, and Hoffman's going, don't do it. Don't do it. Never run through an unsecured door. Don't do it. It could be a trap. And he runs into the room and it's not a trap, but he like finds detective carry hanging from the ceiling and everyone, he's like crying. And like one of the cops is puking. Like it's just, it's horrifying. And they're all so sad. This like that this, this fucking jigsaw shit keeps keeps taking down members of their team etc etc and hoffman takes rig aside and is like rig seriously you never go through an unsecured door you have to know that and rig was like i'm sorry i thought she was still alive like i thought maybe i could save her rig uh goes home but then uh okay where 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 am i where am i where am i yeah okay Oh, my God. Practical effects. Uh, what am I? What? What am I? OK. Oh, OK. So Rig goes. I'm so sorry. Jesus Christ. I got to get better about that. Rig uh, kind of storms off a little bit. And then these two FBI agents enter uh, like we're still sort of we're still in this layer where like Detective Carey's body is hanging. And I do want to I've got this circled in my notebook. Uh, The Saw films seem to take place in this, like, absurd hellscape where the Saw killings are, like, the only thing that happens. Like, everyone in a Saw film is either a murderer or a cop, and nothing else is happening except for Saw. Like, you never... No one in these movies goes to a restaurant. No one in these movies... Like, there's the murder locations there's the sad dingy apartments where they obsess over the saw killings and then there's the police station and that is it it's just like god it's like a fucking beckett play it's like <laughs> but in any case uh the, these fbi agents show up which it's been it's surprising the fbi hasn't already been pretty fucking involved but um apparently Detective Carey was like their uh their agent on the on the ground in the Saw investigation and now she's dead. So they are agents Lindsey Perez and Peter Strom. Peter Strom is Luke from Gilmore Girls guys. I didn't Oh my god, I've been watching Gilmore Girls. I was like who's that guy? Where do I know him from? He's Peter Strom. He's one of my favorite characters in the Saw franchise. Peter Strom is this like fully just like he's like chris maloney to the nth degree just like fully one of these dick cops who's like someone's incompetent in this department uh i've am d- going to phrase all of my detective work as though you're stupid just for being here to hear me say it huh how does that feel when i'm interrogating a woman i'm vaguely physically threatening and that's supposed to be a good thing in this movie um yeah so that's that's peter strom uh strom he he come he comes in hot he comes in. he's exactly the way i described he's just like fully this like super aggro super macho like toxically masculine like alpha figure who immediately is like mad at and kind of suspicious of mark hoffman and he says uh this wasn't done by amanda young amanda young there's no way amanda young or jigsaw could have hoisted someone up this high there had to be like a strong able-bodied accomplice he says we're not here to we're here To find the third accomplice. We are here to find... Oh, God. And it's so cool how plot holes become retcons. Because the plot holes in the first two Saw movies are evident. This guy is, is dying of a terminal disease. He can barely stand. Um, his accomplice is like five, five and like 130 pounds or something. So how are these massive traps being rigged up? How are people being suspended from the ceiling? <laughs> and Mark Hoffman's like, well, uh, Jigsaw was a master of mechanics. He could have rigged a pulley system. <laughs> and Peter Strom's like, bullshit. um, so that's like the, the one of the, one of the bigger sort of like there's just there's two halves of the movie and it's like the cops Hoffman Perez and Strom trying to figure out what's going on and then Rig who goes home and his wife she's your classic you work too much I'm not a character in this I'm your wife and I'm leaving now because I have nothing to do in this movie like he get literally gets home and she's packed a bag and she's like I just I'm gonna go stay with my sister uh like. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, he works too much. And now he's alone in the apartment. And the um he, oh my God, the FBI agents are talking amongst themselves that they know someone is in danger. There's like, they received some intel that um either Hoffman or Rig or someone else in the department is in danger. And Strom is like, no, we can't tell them. I, oh my God. I, yeah, I like Strom. I like this character archetype. I know that it's not like a good person. And I know that like I don't know. Probably doesn't mean anything great about me. That like I like this character archetype, but like, yeah, I like I like the he's he's like you know he's your Doctor Cox. He's your he's your competent to the point of just constant assholery. He's, he's he might be like a Doctor House figure. I don't know if he's a doc. He's more Doctor Cox because he's extremely flawed. Rig troubled alone in his apartment, he wakes up suddenly. The apartment is filled with plastic sheeting. <laughs> he uh, gets knocked out by Pig Mask. He awakes in the shower, uh, and he goes to open his bathroom door. the The shower is like pouring cold water on him to wake him up. He opens the bath- the bathroom door, uh, and he's accidentally set off uh, a, t- a, a a trigger. Like in order to push the doorknob open, it like pulled a triggered a trigger to video, and um, Billy the puppet shows up on the screen. And he turns his head, and he goes. Hello detective Rig. All your friends are dead and you're not. He gives this weird speech about how like Rig is alive, but like this the Rig's flaw in jigsaw's eyes is his obsession with saving everyone. He's like, "You had to save everyone. Today I'm going to give you a chance to save two people." And he shows on a camera that Detective Eric Matthews, Donnie Wahlberg from Saw 2, was never killed. He's alive in a room on this weird platform, and next to him is Detective Mark Hoffman. Mark Hoffman is sitting in, like, a chair, and he's his chair is, like, on this platform. The platform is filled with, like, a couple inches of water that is melting off of a giant ice cube that... Oh God, this is so exhausting to describe. It's just, I don't even understand why they do this, but, like... Detective Matthews is kind of hanging from the ceiling a little bit. Uh, yeah, he's hanging from the ceiling, and when the ice cube melts, he's going to, like, hang. He's gonna, it's it's gonna asphyxiate him. But right now, he's, like, slipping around on the ice cube, and after a certain period of time, the water in the tray is going to get, uh, it's gonna tip the tray into these electrical wires, and the electrical wires are gonna electrocute Mark Hoffman. And there's this timer counting down, and Rig takes the timer to mean that at the end of the timer, both of his, uh, his colleagues are going to die. Um but at the end of jigsaw speech he says will you learn how to let go and truly save them um so it's ah, this is such a i love i love how these saw movies do they do these things uh but so okay here now we're about to get into one of my least favorite things about these fucking movies it's just so rig goes into the next room and there is a woman like tied to a chair mechanism Uh, And she's got a pig mask on, and he, like, takes the pig mask off her, and she's terrified, and she's, like, um, she's screaming, like, please get me out of this, please get me out of this, please! Um, uh, he finds a tape, and he plays it, and the tape goes, like, this woman in your chair in the chair before you like she doesn't deserve to be saved you can look around and see evidence of her crimes and i fucking hate this shit because like she's she's a sex worker like she doesn't deserve to fucking die. like i i don't know why i'm arguing with the movie about this but like they're just the jigsaw killer is at their most interesting to me when the people are like when they're when like, like Donnie Wahlberg having tampered with evidence to get those people put in jail. Um, not this sort of like drug addicts and, and, uh, and sex workers and, um, just like people whose lives didn't go uh, great. Um, the, the, the jigsaw killer can't just be like a, like a Travis Bickle someday a real rain's going to come sort of guy. I hate that. I hate that like moral, what's the word for there's a word they use on like criminal minds. Uh, like, um, It's, and it's like a horrible one. It's a horrible word too. It's like that. It's like, whatever. But so Jigsaw's thesis is that because this woman, uh, is, is a sex worker, uh, she deserves to die and Rig should let her die. And he's like, don't just, he's like, okay, so what's going to happen now is this mechanism is going to kill her. Don't save her. Don't save her. And the mechanism starts winding. She's got her hair tied in the mechanism and it's going to pull her entire scalp off. Um, and this is. Really, this is a, this is one of the, one of your classic really hard to watch fucking Saw segments because the mechanism spins and as it spins, it is slowly revealing the numbers to the lock, but it's also ripping this woman's entire head off and her like skull is getting bared and just like blood is pouring in her face. And the screaming goes from like, I'm scared to like, I'm dying. And it starts you as a viewer start to feel like, is this like, is this going to be one of those soft things where like he's, he unlocks the thing and she's already dead but um, he eventually, after a like nightmarish two or three minutes of this spinning thing and like it ripping at her, um, he unlocks the combination and he frees her, and he goes, "I'm gonna go into the other room and like see if I can get anything for you." And she crawls under the television and hides. And when he gets back into the room, she tries to kill him. She like starts swatting at him with a knife. and he has to like hurl her against a wall. And now he has, I believe, murdered her and he finds a tape recorder and he plays the tape recorder and it says, hello, Brenda, in a few moments, a police officer is going to come through that door and save you. If he succeeds, he will prosecute you for your crimes, but you could kill him. Like, and I don't like, I I don't, I don't know. Would, would she try to kill him? Whatever. I like the jigsaw killer knows fucking everything. He knows how everyone's going to react to everything. Whatever. (laughs) um so he uh detective rig now finds two keys and it's and they say they say say something they say like one saves them one lets them go i don't even know what the keys say um we get some eric matthews flashback that's donnie Wahlberg. we just get a little bit of flashback explaining that like he's been imprisoned by the saw killers for like months and months and months like eating gruel and and going crazy and growing a big old beard i'm sorry let me drink some milkshake here Mm, delicious. But um, <clears throat> now the FBI agents and the, and the officers begin sort of tracking down rig. Uh, and they're always like a couple steps behind. Him. So they find the apartment, they find Brenda, they don't find rig. Strom is like, this is kind of suspicious. Strom se- starts to believe that like rig either is the jigsaw killer or that like the jigsaw killer. Oh God. It's so The jigsaw killer is recruiting rig. And that's like, that is what's happening in this movie. And that's why it's, it frustrates me because it is such a bad movie, but like conceptually it's so cool because it's like the jigsaw killer is like, I'm going to turn you into the jigsaw killer. And we see this happen in, um, saw one with Zepp, with Zepp, um, Hindle, who has abducted Carrie Elwes, the dead pirate, Robert's wife and daughter he has been turned into the Jigsaw Killer by, he's, been a, he's become a proxy. So it is so cool to see in the long term how this happens to these people. Because it did, again, plot holes become retcons. It rules. Um, this, the plot thickens. Oh, and here we go. Here's where they find Jill Tuck. They find a picture in the apartment of uh, Jigsaw's ex-wife. Um, Meanwhile, Riggs keys lead him to a seedy motel room, a box with the pig mask, a picture of the motel guy and uh, a bunch of like murder, like abduction supplies. Um, He lures the motel guy into the room and uh, we start doing a a lot of flashback and forth we start flashing back to Jill Tuck because Peter Strom is now, and this is what I was referencing earlier. He's, he's doing this, like he's interrogating Jill Tuck and he's doing a lot of like banging on the, on the desk and being like, what do you know? Come on, stop fucking me around. Um, Jill Tuck used to run a drug clinic. Um, and she was married to the Jigsaw killer. Uh, her relationship with Jigsaw, like, oh my God, she's clearly an accomplice. She's clearly an accomplice, but, um, Jigsaw, like, uh, he thwarts a fight. This like guy, there's this like one guy in the clinic. Who's like trying, who's like flipping out and like pulls out a knife almost because he like, he, uh, I, I think he feels disrespected and, and Tobin Bell's like, you don't want to do that. You're making a problem for everyone here. You don't want to be a problem. Uh, Jigsaw then takes Jill Tuck to his workshop and she's like, Oh my God, this is such a nice workshop. You're going to get so much done here. He goes like, look, look at this. I made a puppet. Like he shows her Billy the puppet. Um, meanwhile, rig, uh, has gotten the motel guy into this room, and the room is full of pictures of all the motel guy's victims. The motel guy, the guy who runs the motel, is a serial rapist and murderer. And Rig straps him to the bed and puts him into a jigsaw trap. And God, this trap sucks so much. This is another one of these stupid. It's a bad trap. Like, I understand. I like the idea that Rig is like, okay, get into the trap. Like, I'm, I, it's your justice isn't in my hands or whatever. But, like, the guy, he's like lying on a bed. And it's going to kill him unless he presses two buttons. Each button lowers a spike into one of his eyes. He's just got to gouge out both of his eyes. And again, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being like, he's just got to gouge out both of his eyes. Come on. I'm sorry. I'm also sorry. I don't know if that voice is sounding a little, a little not, uh, um, not uh, good of me. I apologize for doing that. Um, but it's just not, it's just not a visually spectacular trap in the way that like, in in Saw three, there was like that guy who was drowning in pig guts. That was horrifying, and like I didn't even really like that. I didn't. I didn't. Li- I mean, I don't like any of this stuff. I don't. Whoa, wow. What's gonna? What am I learning about myself during this podcast? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. We're all over. The- oh my god. I'm also really eating up time on this fucking. Well, it's the tenth episode. It's a big deal, guys. Guys, I just want to say. I just want to say this is a beautiful ceremony. I just. Thank you so much for Mr. and Piss's podcast for paying for the rehearsal dinner. I am, I'm, I'm the podcast's best friend. I'm, I was the best man. You might all recognize me. I just wanted to say, I never thought this would last. I mean, like when this podcast first started, I thought, Oh, 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 oh it's gonna, you know, two months tops, but I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I am kidding. I always knew that there was something special here and, uh, Hey, Hey, podcast, you're not going to be able to wear white tonight, am I right? <laughs> um sorry, you're not going to be able to wear white after tonight is the classic uh, drunk best man douchebag thing to say. I can't I can't fucking believe I was at a wedding in 2013 where the, the best man said that to the bride. He was like, "Hey Liz, you're not going to be able to wear white after tonight," huh? And like, "Let's like are I that is so old-fashioned like Like bullshit, sexist, weird, shitty, like, I just hate it. I hate that. I could unpack for a million years why that's a stupid, why anyone should be better than that stupid, stupid bullshit. Hey, you're going to, hey, you know how you guys have probably already fucked? Well, after tonight, you'll have fucked again. Fuck, fuck you. And fuck. And what about white? God, whatever. Let's get back to the murders. Let's get back to the, 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 the murders. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, of course, Rig is such a good guy that he, he, one time there was this principal who molested kids and uh, he couldn't prove it. And he, the principal was like laughing at him. And so like he punched him. Um, uh, Strom is weirdly mean. Yeah. Of course, Strom is really, really mean. So Strom is okay. The threads of this are that like, we are getting this little picture of like Rig lost his temper and like, uh, attacked this child molester and the, the guy was like, I'm a powerful man. I'm going to fuck you up. Like you're going to lose your job. Detective Hoffman vouched for him. And even though, Oh my God, excuse me. Oh my God. Wow. I should quit this podcast. I should, <laughs> I should get out of the car and just walk away from my computer and, and walk into the ocean, <laughs> walk to the, to the sea floor, and find do a podcast with some eels. Do an eel cast. Transmit sound through the water. What am I? What am I? Okay. So there's that thread, which is that like the 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 uh, Hoffman sort of lies to keep uh, an internal affairs investigation from going on. Uh, R.E. Riggs punching of the molester. Um, the second thread that we're watching is Peter Strom interrogating Jill Tuck. We see that Jill Tuck, um, she is pregnant and she, oh my God, I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Woo. Can we do the hat trick? Can I shit my pants on this podcast? <laughs> oh my God. I really hope I shit my pants before this podcast is over. So, we see that uh, Jill Tuck was pregnant, and she was running her clinic, and this pre- the guy who was, like, gonna start the fight earlier, He she's, like, locking up, and he, like, bangs on the door, and he's like, I left my jacket, I left my jacket, I'm so sorry I left my jacket, can you go back and get my jacket? She goes back, she gets his jacket, she unlocks the door to hand it to him, and he, like, pushes the door, and, like, knocks her down, um... Uh, to get the drugs. He, like, runs into the clinic and, like, grabs all these drugs, and, but he has slammed a door open onto her stomach, and she begins to, like, bleed, and I believe has uh, a miscarriage. Um, And so we, uh, like, it's one of those things where, like, we already had one origin story for the Jigsaw Killer, which is the car crash when he's diagnosed with cancer. He didn't even mention that he had an ex-wife. This is a complete invention of the Project Greenlight guys, but it actually, like, kind of fits well in a way. I'm like, I'm not, I don't mind too much that there are like two, and this is like, maybe it's a form of fridging. Like maybe it's a form of like using the, the wife and the baby as just like a motivator for him to become something. Um, maybe it's not, maybe I'm like trying to use that term, uh, uh proactively. I literally just learned it like three weeks ago I was, and I'm, and I can't believe I just learned it three weeks ago. I feel quite embarrassed about that, but, um, so Now he becomes the jigsaw killer. He's like lost his child. Uh, and he, Oh my God. He divorces, uh, Jill Tuck for, he's like, guys, but, um, it's Cecil. Cecil's the name of the guy who, who, uh, slams the door, who like attacks her. Um, and she, Oh my God. And she says to him, all I wanted to do was help them, which is like such foreshadowing for like Jigsaw's crazy. Like I'm helping you thing. Um, The interrogation scene, yeah, the interrogation, I keep, I keep writing in my notes that the interrogation scene is like really, really bad, um, because it is, because Peter Strom keeps saying like awful things to Jill Tuck, but, um, we see, oh, so now we start cutting to the room with the ice block with Donnie Wahlberg and Detective Mark Hoffman, and we see that there's like a jigsaw guy, like monitoring the screens, um, and sort of, uh, like paying attention to what's going on, and it's the mouth sewn shut guy. He, like, apparently has also been enlisted in, like, a Jigsaw trap. And we start seeing that the Mao Zedong Shuk guy is actually a lawyer named Art Blank, who was the lawyer of the child molester, who was also the lawyer uh, for Jill Tuck and Jigsaw when they were invested in this, like, building project that Jigsaw, uh, like, completely lost interest in after the miscarriage and, and his diagnosis with cancer. Um, Rig ends up back in the school um, where he finds the molester the child molester, I'm so I don't know if it's weird that I'm calling it the molester principal and his wife the wife uh his wife was lying to enable him to continue molesting uh children but the, they have been uh tied together back to back and stuck both of them through with these steel bars the steel bars are stuck through Um, the molester in all of his fatal organs, but they're stuck through his wife in non-fatal spots. And her test is like, he has obviously been just viciously abusive to her. And so in order to free herself of him, she has to rip the metal bars out of herself, killing him. And she fucking does. And when Riggs shows up, she's like, I did it. I did it. I got him. I like killed him. Um, that one I like. That one's pretty cool. Uh, that one's pretty cool. And this, like, this Saw, this Saw movie is, like, these Saw movies are clearly just dreams. They're clearly nightmares. Like, this is, this feels like a Freddy movie. Like, the, 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 the location, and maybe it's because it's a bad movie as well. Maybe it's a bad, a budget issue. But, like, these are, these are these little hermetic nightmares. Um, Rig now plays the tape. Oh, does she view the world differently? Um... Tracy oh yeah there's there's some stuff about it's hard it's hard it's hard to follow this movie even if you're paying a lot of attention um now the FBI agents uh oh they're in the school they're again they're like one step behind rig they find the two the couple tied together they find a Billy the Puppet in one room and it's another one of these stupid like jigsaw being psychic things where like Detective Perez leans down and plays the jigsaw tape and Billy the Puppet's like hey Detective Perez." Looks like you lean down and played the jigsaw tape. And then shrapnel shoots out of Billy's face and embeds itself in Detective Perez's face. Um and they go, Strom and Perez, um they just kinda like have to go back to the hospital, I believe. Um so we cut back to uh Art Blank, Art Blank, the guy whose mouth was stone shut. He's another unwilling jigsaw. He's saying to the guys who are tied up, he's like, hey. If this guy completes this next test, you guys are good to go. Um, Strom, there's this little montage of him like freaking out, like throwing stuff and like beating desks. And now he again like flips out on Jill Tuck. He's like very uh, uh, aggressive and scary to Jill Tuck who was like, has she just been in a room for like days and days and days? And they're like, hey, we're going to go to this crime scene. And then he comes back. Hey, we're going to go to this other crime scene. It's very strange. Um the mm, yeah okay then we see his first kill it's cecil it's this guy um who uh, caused his ex's miscarriage he abducts cecil and he puts cecil in the knife chair his first and it's so this is so stupid this is so funny it's so funny. I'm sorry. I mean, it is a man cutting his face with knives, but it's very funny. He's <clears throat> he just has he's locked Cecil to a chair, and there are razors cutting at his wrists slowly. And if he like doesn't do something, he's going to uh, bleed out from the wrists and die. And um, Jigsaw places this weird apparatus over him that is basically like a, a sort of a tray of interconnected kitchen knives. All these kitchen knives. Forming this, like, almost a zipper, like, right over his face. And what Cecil has to do is push his face forward through all of the knives so hard that the knives give him these, like, horrible, like, really just, like, deep cuts all along his face. And if he pushes hard enough, the mechanism will unlock his wrists. And... There's, like, your classic, like, Saw, like, small montage of the guy freaking out and trying, and then the pain's too much, and then he tries again, and the pain's too much. But eventually, the chair breaks because Jigsaw, it's his first time. It's Jigsaw's first time! And he's an imperfect builder of murder traps! So, the chair collapses, and Cecil gets up and, like, runs towards Jigsaw, and Jigsaw does this weird, like, sidestep. He does, like, a little, just, like, a very nimble sidestep. And Cecil falls into a barbed wire pit. And, and is rolling around in the barbed wire. Um, Jill Tuck is horrified when she discovers this, uh, and he's like, get the fuck out of here. Um, so that's the, that's supposedly the last time that, uh, that Jill Tuck and Jigsaw saw each other. But now, um, everyone has convened on this one building and it is also, I got it. It's pro- it's almost definitely the same building from all the other, Jigsaw movies, um, it's the one building, it's like the building that Jigsaw built, it's also so stupid because like eventually like when they figure out that it's Tobin Bell in previous movies, well this is, this is the, your classic fourth movie thing, is their, their retconning is filling in plot holes but it's also creating plot holes in a way, I apologize so everyone's in this one building, Art Art Blank, he kind of takes off his windbreaker and he's obviously got a saw trap on his neck um don't open the door mm yeah so all rig has to do is not go through an unsecured door like rig has been through all this stuff he's witnessed all these horrors he's become the jigsaw killer all he had to do to he he has he's completely he's completely missed the point of the jigsaw the, the jigsaw what he said was you have to let go and save them he thought that um <clears throat> He had to actively save them. But Jigsaw was trying to rid him of his compulsion to feel like it's his fault when people die. So, Rig bursts through this door that says, do not go through the door. Upon bursting through the door, um, like, someone shoots him. I think, uh, who shoots Rig? Oh, fuck, someone, uh, oh, a door, yeah, so the- Oh my god, that's the other... Oh my god! So, he goes through the door, he gets shot, Rig falls to the ground, Rig has been shot, The a bomb blows up Art Blank's head, and Eric Matthews, you know how he was on this block of ice? So two bigger blocks of ice converge on his skull from above, and they squash his skull like a melon getting squashed by a Gallagher hammer, my friends. It is... It is ridiculous. The Eric Matthews skull smash with the ice. Um, Hoffman is like allegedly electrocuted, but um, uh, do we learn in this one that Hoffman is the killer? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, so it, yeah, and it turns out that it turns out that rig had 90 minutes to not save people. All he had to do was not save people. He literally, he could have gone to like the store he could have gotten a drink he could have he could have seen um book club in theaters any of the above and yeah like okay so the guy in the motel wouldn't have died like which like the guy in the motel was a, a rapist and murderer um so like we feel like i guess the justice is ambiguous on this at least rig would not have been the the hand that indirectly killed him Uh, like maybe there would have been more of a chance for legitimate justice to get this. Like, I don't know what the point is with that. I, I, that would be a lot of textual extrapolation on my part, but like, um, definitely Brenda's scalp would have been ripped off and that obviously would not have been good. Uh, that would not have been good, but like... It was another one of these, it's another one of these fatal flaws. It's just, it's just, it's the same thing that happens to Eric Matthews. Frankly, all Eric Matthews had to do was wait around with the jigsaw killer an amount of time and the trap would have, the, the safe would have opened and his son would have been right there. He didn't realize that he was watching video of hours earlier, whatever. <laughs> um, in the meantime, Peter Strom finds himself and these, these movies have to be dreams because like. He finds himself in the room where Jigsaw died and Jigsaw's body is still there but like but like this and I don't understand it at all like did they never find that place? Because if they didn't how did they find Jigsaw's body to do the autopsy in the beginning where they found the wax tape in his stomach but like if Jigsaw's body is over there and they did an autopsy what is jigsaw's body doing here in his compound in his workshop because strom enters the room where everyone had the big climactic bloodbath at the end of the third movie and everyone's still in that room even jeff denlin the guy who is like still alive and strom shoots him because he's being threatening and i don't even like what what happens to strom oh does strom get locked in the glass coffin is that a different movie Hoffman is the accomplice Hoffman oh yeah Hoffman left that mean letter to Amanda Young see this you'd have to realize you'd have to you'd have to hear you'd have to know everything that happened in Saw 3 for that to make sense but I believe that the end of this movie is Peter Strom is about to be murdered having realized Detective Hoffman is the Saw killer or something of that sort. ah fuck well I will say at the very least it goes like this dun 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 and that's Saw Four, guys. That's um, that's the fourth Saw movie. Wow, I've been doing this. This has straight up been an hour, hasn't it? Wow. Okay. Listen, I'm happy to accept the award for most tenth episode of a podcast ever. Um, let's play the Let's play the theme song again. Um, so I said, "What about Toxic Podcast?" And he said, "I think, hey, remember that podcast. It's bad. Uh, toxic Media, hosted by and Acid said, hey, That's a one thing we get." Um, anything else, anything else I want to do? (sighs) Shoot. Should I, should I play the theme song again? Uh, I just met you and toxic podcast, but here's my podcast. So toxic podcast. Let me see. Uh, finish my milkshake. I'm going to, let's retcon my own life. Let me retcon, let me retcon the last 10 episodes of Toxic Podcast. How am I going to do that? So, I've had an accomplice this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it turns out, I'm I'm sorry that I've been, I'm sorry that I've kept this under wraps. This podcast is executive produced by Judd Apatow. I know it seems weird because I have under 20 listeners and very low production value, and like you know, obviously this isn't a very good podcast. But I mean, Judd loves it, Judd, and he's really into elevating uh, other white men's voices, which I think is a really valuable thing that he does. Um, so yeah, I just uh, it, I, it, he he wasn't he didn't want me to feel like I had to put his name on it, um, but this. <laughs> That's my retcon. That's my retcon. All right. What's what's another boss baby sort of... News... News Newt. Yep. News Newt. It's a Newt who reports the news. Uh, okay. That's been Toxic Podcast. That's the 10th episode of Toxic Podcast. It's only going to get... Uh, more toxic from here, guys. All right, take care of yourselves. I'm all hunter-cleaning.